Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to the show. I am Precious D, and with me, as always, is my imaginary friend, Honeybee. Hello, Honeybee. Hello, you little monsters. Today, we're talking about Return of Daimajin. Uh, Honeybee, I know you're so excited about this. (laughs) Second verse. Same as the first, a little yeah. bit louder and a little bit worse. Yep, 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 yep. Lots of parallels in this movie. I feel like I'm having a little deja vu. As we mentioned last week, the three Daimajin movies were all filmed at the same time and released in the same year. They're uh, in color. The year is 1966. The company is Dai, same guys that made Gamera. The director of this one is Kenji Masumi, still written by Tetsuro Yoshida, still with movie by uh, music by Akira Ifakube, who we know from Toho's monster movies, but I guess he did not have an exclusive contract with them. He's working for the other guys. Damn. We have... Um, Kojiro Hongo as Lord Juro Chigusa, Shiho Fujimura as Lady Sayora Nagoshi, Taro Marui as Dodahai, Jutaro Hojo as Genba Onikojima, Koshi Yunoyama as Katsushugi Nagoshi, and I just don't want to read any more of these names. None of these people were in the other movie. Yeah, and none of these people saw the first either. Yeah. None of them are going to be in the next one. <laughs> I don't think any of them have been in any of the other movies that we've seen. This is the second in the Daimajin trilogy. Daimajin is maybe... An evil god that was imprisoned by a good god in a statue, but then the statue was compromised and the evil god was able to get loose and run around. But at the end of the last movie, it left the statue and the the statue disintegrated. In this movie, rather than an evil god being imprisoned by the good god that the people worship... Daimajin just appears to be the god that these people worship. Mm-hmm. Which I like better, I will say, made more sense yeah. story-wise. Yeah. Now, I suppose that there could be, as there is with any god, there could be multiple statues dedicated to Daimajin mm-hmm. throughout Japan. Sure. And And his spirit might come and inhabit any of these statues and bring them to life to destroy all the toys. But that is not what was described to us in the first movie. He was entrapped within the statue by somebody else. But now it's different, even though it's written by the same guy. So let's just get right into the summary of this movie. This one I got from, um, not directly from Wikipedia, but from uh, Kaijupedia, I think. Oh, Kaijupedia. Yeah, the Wikipedia summary was really short and it didn't even have a separate page. 
Damn. But Kai, Kaijipedia had a little more detail for me. Thank you, Kaijipedia. Yes, thank you. Tired of struggling in their land, separated by mountains from natural resources, the wicked Mikoshiba clan plots to overthrow the Chigusa and Nogoshi clans, mm-hmm. whose allied kingdoms surround Lake Yakimono. So they tell us that the, the other two clans, uh, Chigusa and Nogoshi, are related. Uh, I think they call one of them the, the offshoot clan, or I don't remember, but... The villages have the same names as the clans that live in them, which is also the last names of the leaders of the clans. And they have a friendly, nice relationship. And they're two of their the son from one village and the daughter from another village are about to get married. And it's all very nice until these assholes from outside come in and stir shit up. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So they surround the Lake uh, Yakamono, on which there is an island which housed a statue of a mysterious god. Legends claimed that if the statue's face turned red, it was a sign that the kingdom would fall. Which we didn't see in the first one. This is a new thing. Yeah. Shortly after a funeral service for a fallen clansman, escaped Mikoshiba serfs arrived, arrived with bales of rice as an offering in return for being taken under Lord Juro Chigusa's protection. We, well, we see at the beginning a bunch of people are being harassed by the samurai mm-hmm. of the uh, Mikoshiba clan and they're trying to run away and yeah. they get captured but two but a young couple escapes and then we see a Chigusa and Nagoshi talking mited. about mighted yeah. in the first two minutes I thought they just got captured and forced to no. go back no 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 he kills them and then he says if you don't if you don't want to die too I suggest you don't try to escape because you'll die like them okay but two of them do escape and become refugees. So they're they're talking about uh, Chigusa and Nagoshi are talking about all these refugees coming in from uh, Mikoshiba's territory because apparently everything sucks there. They can't grow anything. It's just I don't know why anyone's living there in the first place unless there was some environmental change. Maybe it used to be nice there, but it's shitty there now. Hmm. But they see per- seem perfectly willing to take in these refugees. Um, they are helping them reclaim land. So apparently they've got plenty of fertile land there that needs to be worked, so they're happy to let these refugees come in and and work it. But some of them, not the same ones we just saw escape, but some of them offer these bales of hay and thanks for letting them stay there. Rice. However, the serfs were in fact spies with their bales acting as decoys with um, Mikoshiba warriors hiding inside. They're they're Trojan horse bales of rice. (laughs) Trojan rice. (laughs) Trojan grains. The uh, Mikoshiba soldiers overthrow Chigusa, with Lord Juro only barely escaping through a secret passage. Night raid. However, with the castle, yeah, with the castle under his control, Lord Danjo Mikoshiba took his army to Nagoshi to search for him. Mm-hmm. Lord Nagoshi was uncooperative and was killed. Mikoshiba then takes his son Katoshigi Nagoshi hostage, threatening to kill him if they do not surrender Juro. After covering her father's grave, Lady Sayurai Sayurai? Mm -hmm. Lady Sayurai Nagoshi travels to the island to pray to the god to save the kingdom. So they had already established that these two, Juro and Sayurai, were going to get married soon. Uh, However, shortly after she arrives, the Nagoshi army comes and begins to destroy the god's idol. She bursts out in anger and is taken prisoner. However, as the statue explodes... 
So Yuri runs toward it and is entombed in stone. I think they skipped something here. They they brought in a bunch of gunpowder and placed it all around the statue. Yeah, yeah. They like try to blow it up, and she tries to yeah. sacrifice herself like a Princess Kazaza. Yeah, from the last. Visit. They do a bunch of banging, banging with hang- hammers first, and then plant a bunch of gunpowder mm-hmm. and uh, try to blow it up. And so some of the rocks fall on on top of her when they're blowing it up. The statue's head sinks intact into the bay, so they successfully blow the statue to pieces. Mikoshiba's soldiers leave her for dead, and she is dug out unharmed by an aide. She decides to stay on the island, believing that the god's spirit was lingering and that he had saved them from the explosion. For just a second, though, for just a second, we think he's going to come. It's like we're 30 minutes into the movie, and I'm like, ooh, are we only going to have to wait 30 minutes, not a whole hour? And it's like, bubble 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 and then like the sky gets dark and i was like eh but then no nothing happened right oh yeah i forgot to mention this last week but yes it is one hour and eight minutes into the first movie when we see the statue but he doesn't actually wake up until one hour and eight minutes into the movie with the chisel still in his head (laughs) but this time he gets blown to pieces and his head falls into the water uh, however, at that moment, a skiff with the unconscious Lord Juro aboard washed into the bay. After recovering, he and his aide sailed off to capture Lord Mikoshiba and to trade him for Katsushigi. However, they are discovered by Mikoshiba's soldiers and are nearly attacked when they run aground on some rocks. But the enemy skiff finds itself immobile and is pulled down into the water. So there's a little bit of a boat chase going on. In the fog, on the water, little tiny rowboats. Yeah, like canoe. And <laughs> apparently, Daimajin, underneath the water, we don't really see it, but he sort of grabs the boat and it stops. Not with his hand, just sort of magically. And uh, pulls him down into the water. This effect is actually really good. They So, like, the boat is sitting there on top of the water, and at first it's kind of, like, bubbling up around the boat, but then it kind of starts spraying up sort of like uh, like a water fountain almost, if you will, to kind of uh-huh. build this, like, water wall around the boat before then taking the boat in. And the special effects here were really good. It looks great. It really does. I have to say it's probably um, one of the best parts of this movie is this effect because again it's like from the first one they did the whole like camera effect that we hadn't seen this is kind of like a uh, another like really cool special effect that we haven't really seen so i did like that eventually they're all captured and sayuri is burned alive as an example However, before she dies, she prays to the god, offering her life in exchange for his protection and restoration of the Chagusa and Nagoshi peoples. Sound familiar? As tears fall down her face, wind picks up and blows out the fires. She's not burned alive. She, they are start to burn her alive. <laughs> they t- they're going to burn her at the stake. <laughs> It's so sad, too, and, like, all of the people, like, gathered to watch her, and as soon as they set the fire, you know, all the people get on their knees to pray, and it's just a really emotional freaking moment with the fire going on around her and all the smoke coming up. Whew, man. Is she, uh, yes, she is, but she's not just tied to the stake in the way that you would tie a witch. No, because she's on a cross. In classical, <laughs> yes, she is crucified because they, the Japanese love their crucifixion imagery for whatever reason. And then set on fire. 
And when I say crucified, I just mean she's tied to a cross, which was the standard procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, using nails was was unusual. Nails are expensive. Rope's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> As tears fall down her face, winds pick up and blow out the fires, and the full body of the god's image rises from the bay of his island. I was going to say, is it winds? I, or is it, is it, I thought it was the god. Like, well, it's a god causing the wind. Okay, okay, okay. It's not just coincidental wind. The god blows out the candles. Yeah. <laughs> he causes landslides and sinks the island before parting the waters of the lake and beginning his walk to the shore. So we get some, first we got some crucifixion, then we get some Moses shit when it's just, it's just like the movie, The Ten Commandments, where just two walls of water part and uh, leave a nice little path. Diamond will walk right up onto shore. Yeah, but before he gets out of the like water when he's still just waist deep, he uh does the like happy face, sad face bit. Yes. Yes, he he does if you didn't hear last week, this the idol has a blank face. We we did see it turn red at one point, like the prophecy would say. But oh, yeah. he has a blank face, then he raises his hands up, his little mittens in front of his face, and when he puts them down, he has a green angry face. And then his and hands are now green angry hands. Uh, so um let's see when he arrives the mikoshiba enter a panic <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it the god breaks sayora's stake off and gently lays her on the ground unlike in the first movie we were just kind of toss the crucified person to the ground he gently yeah. lays, da- lays her down but i guess he's more careful with women uh before advancing on the castle in pursuit of lord mikoshiba Despite their attempts to barricade him out, the god continues without breaking pace. Then they attempt to slow him down with enormous grappling hooks, which do not hinder the god. Not only do they not hinder the god, they make things worse, because the grappling hooks are, of course, tied to ropes, which are tied to, like, poles on the buildings and stuff. They throw these grappling hooks at him, and he just keeps walking and pulls down the buildings behind him (laughs) as he goes. Uh, Let's see. Um... They then attempt to blow him up and bury him beneath fallen stones from a wall, but once more, the god continues his advance and hurls a boulder at Mikoshiba's lieutenant, crushing him beneath it. Mikoshiba then attempts to flee into the lake by boat and nearly outruns the god, who forces the boat to spin around and face him before launching a ball of fire across the water, igniting his boat. I thought that was pretty cool. It was. Lord Mik. Lord Mikoshiba climbs up the mast in an attempt to escape the fire, but becomes entangled in the rigging, leaving him in an almost identical situation to Sayurai's on her cross-shaped pyre. Uh, oh, I didn't really, I didn't make that connection while I was watching it. As the burning ship falls into the sea, the storm the god had brought cleared up. Sayora then runs into the lake and says a prayer of thanks as the god turns to face her. Her tears of gratitude hit the lake's surface, and the god turns back into stone before its body turns into water, and it falls into the lake. The island's sunken bell then rings out from the bottom of the lake as a sign that the kingdom would forever have peace. The god is ringing for peace, is the last thing they say. Yes. So in both of these movies, tears seem to be the key to... (laughs) Yeah. placating him and causing him to lose structural integrity and disintegrate. I have one hour into the movie, he rises and at 101 changes his face. Yeah, one, I got 101 as well. <laughs> so 
it is very similar to the first movie. Same time period. Asshole samurai terrorizing a bunch of nice, innocent people. They changed up a little bit by putting them on an island instead of a mountain. The theology seems to have changed in that now they're just worshiping him directly rather than praying for him to stay away. Which I preferred. It, 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 it works better, Yeah, I think, story-wise and, and theology-wise to be that he's their protector god who right. comes to wreak vengeance on their enemies. And he doesn't wait 10 years to do something <laughs> like he did in the previous movie. Funny. Oh, that's so funny. So there you go. Return of Dimogen, ladies and gentlemen. Honeybee, what did you think of this one? So I was a little more prepared. Obviously, it was right. almost the exact same movie. Lots of parallels, even like the priest and the priestess having like the same line. Um, the woman trying to sacrifice herself, the tears. I was just like, okay, I have already seen this. So I was really just kind of like, there's still so much like humans fucking up humans in this movie. It's just like human destroying humans. And um, so, yeah, I hated it just as much. I'm going to say two. <laughs> well, we have, I mean, in many of the kaiju movies, the real monster is man. Yeah, true. So true. But I, I think like and I was thinking about this so um much because I just could not like out this these movies were so like emotional for me. I was just like, ew, why why? And um <laughs> I think just like the samurai part makes sense to me. Like there's a lot of sword fighting and all of that, but it's like when we watch the movies and you know, Godzilla, this big thing is destroying this tiny toy town and we're like the kill count is you know 942 there's like this just like disconnect for me i don't they're not real people to me like it's just entertaining it's fun we're watching this ha 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 but like watching humans like beat the shit out of or sword fight or destroy these other humans it just like it's not i just don't feel the same way about it it's it just doesn't feel like entertaining and they should maybe it should never be entertaining i don't know it just feels like a different kind of movie and i'm just not i just don't enjoy it i just don't find it entertaining i don't like it i also like the god shit in it it's just like i just don't i just don't like it i just think it's different and in whatever ways that it's different from like our regular movies those are what i prefer you know i enjoy those a lot of these movies mo i can't think of one single movie we watched so far actually that i had already seen um so yeah all of these are like first times for me and um i enjoy it i enjoy them it's new it's different i'm like learning things whereas like this movie was just like the hell like why <laughs> It was just a bunch of people being awful and destroying people and war and fighting over stupid shit that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then this like kaiju thrown in in the last maybe 20 minutes of the movie. It's just like not enough for me. And I just don't like it. I'm going to I just say two another two for me. Sorry. OK, I, I think I'm still going to give this one a three, maybe a two and a half because it is a little too much like. The other one, yeah. and I do find it's so strange that they made three of these all at once and then didn't even space them out. They released them all in 1966. 
Yeah, how weird. Really clear what kind of box office they did, but they never come back to it. So I don't. Let's see. The budget for the first one was sixty million yen, but I don't have any information about. Uh, it doesn't say what the box office was, but that seems similar to. Uh, First one was released as a double feature with Gamera versus Baragon, which we will be getting to soon. <laughs> also so made excited. by, also made by the same company. So um, let's see. No, I don't have any box office information on the other ones, but yeah, they released one in April, the second one in August, and the third one in December of 1966. That's so weird, and they're not even like. They're not even connected. <laughs> not really, no. None of the, apart from Daimogen, none of the characters carry over. Oh, there is something called Daimogen Canon, which was a television drama produced by Katakawa Pictures and broadcast on TV Tokyo in 2010. And it retells the story wow. of the original Daimogen film in a modern Japanese setting. Okay, cool. Nice. Maybe that will be better. Also, um, I will say as far as like the kaiju, like um, Daimajin himself, I really like uh, that they're using, you know, like it's like his human eyes, you know, sometimes in like the, like the Kong mm -hmm. uh, costume, for instance, you know, he still has like fake eyeballs. So I, I like yeah. that, you know, we, we can see his anger, his emotion. I like that there's like that, uh, like the human eyes. I like that his face like turns uh, like the green color. And I like um, that he looks like, you know, samurai whenever he's changed. But I mean, other than like visually looking great. Boo. Yeah. So uh, it does appear that they eventually do return to this in 2010 for a 26-episode TV series. Oh. When I click on the link for the website, it's in Japanese, of course. Uh-huh. But there, there's a picture, and then there's a little white square, and it says Adobe Flash Player is no longer supported. Aww. So this up this website has not been updated at any time recently, and I have no idea if we will be able to watch any of this when we get around to 2010. But perhaps it's been archived somewhere. Maybe. But uh, we don't need to worry about it till we hit the year 2010 in our chronological review of the history of kaiju movies. Yeah, that's like 50 so years we'll, from now. So We will uh, burn that bridge when we get to it. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Return of Daimajin next week. We got one more, honeybee. Uh... Next week, Daimajin 3, known as The Wrath of Daimajin, or Daimajin Strikes Again, or Daimajin's Counterattack. Ay, Dios mío. No, <laughs> so join us here. Next week, my friends, are you sure to get a smile <laughs> here on Majin Isle? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. And please do not misuse science.
We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.